Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor of Youth and Families at First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, is good to be back after a prolonged break. Uh, we don't have, it was not a scheduled break. We just are super busy dudes. You've got a, you've got a, you've got a daughter at home. You've got a, a your busyness at church and I've got five kids last time I counted and the, the busyness of, of church. And so we just, uh, life happens. And so we, we get these episodes out as quickly, uh, as we can. And so we appreciate everyone's patience. Uh, we did some giveaways though, uh, over the break. And so who, who were our giveaway winners? Real quick before we get into that, Scott, I got to know, you said last time you counted, or do you count every once in a while and have more, more kids than that? I just, that- I'm, I'm just always cautious. No, we're, we're, we're finished. We're finished having children. I, uh, I, I just didn't know if, if neighborhood kids show up and you're like, no, oh. no, no, that's, that's just my running joke. Gotcha. Gotcha for sure. So uh, shout out to James McKay and Bob Allen. Uh, you guys were the, the recipients of the last two giveaways. Of course, uh, Gretchen Ronovic's book. Um, ragged, and then of course, uh, Chad Bird's latest book, The Christ Key. So, we hope you guys benefited greatly from receiving those books. And, listeners, there's another opportunity for a giveaway just around the corner. You know, last episode, we had the privilege of having Dr. Zeb Ballantyne on to talk about worship and talk about uh, Old Testament worship in particular. Um, and uh, his book, Worship Vitals, is out. And uh, we're going to be giving away a copy of that. So that is going to hit social media this this week. And um, be sure and look look for that. Yeah. Well, um, and by the way, a totally Gage, I didn't say we were going to talk about this. We want to recommend a podcast that you may not have checked out. If you have not listened to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, produced by Christianity <laughs> Today, it is uh, it is a a very very first of all, it's a very slickly well produced uh, thing. Yeah. yeah uh, Mike Gosford does a good job. You don't have to agree with everything that they say and all of their prescriptions, but what what I think Gage will come out, especially for our our Presbyterians uh, um, that are listening or folks that are presby curious, um, what I think will come out is you will see why polity, why the way mm-hmm. a church is governed yep. matters, yep. why uh, all the rigid structures that uh, that that churches have. Um, over the years that that have that have come up, uh, why that stuff matters, and yep. and why re why, why trying to make it up as you go along is really really dangerous. And so when you listen to that uh, podcast, I don't want to spoil the whole thing. What you'll find is is not that that they had uh, that they needed Presbyterian polity. They just didn't seem to have any polity. So anyway, right. for those of for those of you who have been listening. Uh, to the uh, to the to that podcast, you'll know what we're talking about. But uh, just to check it out, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, uh, very well done. They've got about seven or eight episodes that are out there. Um, excellent, excellent show. But on to our topic today, uh, Gage. 
And it is also a one-off topic, um, uh, not in our series, but we're, we are masters of our own domain. And so we will, we will, uh, we will talk about what do, we want to talk do, about. Do what we want to, because we'll it's our what, podcast. Yeah. We absolutely. will do what we want to. And, yeah, and it, it came from a, um, it came from a, a discussion that, that we had here at Hope Church with our elders, um, based on a question we got from, um, some folks who've been visiting our church. And the question mm-hmm. was, why does Pastor Scott not talk about current events ever? Mm-hmm. Um, this was probably the week after um, the, the big news of, of the, the hasty retreat from Afghanistan and the, 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 the mess that all of that was. Um, and so wh- why did – why did we not talk about that? And so what, what we have in so much of our, our American Christian landscape is we often have churches on the, on the right talking a whole lot about, about, uh, abortion, about gay marriage. By the way, Gage and I are both pro-life and believe marriage is between a man and a woman, but yep. talking about abortion, talking about gay marriage, churches on the left, uh, on the progressive side, talking about climate change, talking about, about, uh, healthcare and things like that, and and what we do at, at Hope Church is we actually don't talk about either of those really ever right. at all. And so, yeah. um, Gage, uh, tell us a little bit about how how you think through some of those things. Man, I think I think this is a there there needs to be a healthy tension when we get to these conversations, right? Like on on the one hand, um, you have charges like uh, what was given to to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll just read this. Uh, it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Repuve, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that will they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So even in that charge, at the beginning of the church, from the onset, Paul sent leaves Timothy in Ephesus to grow the church that had been planted there to establish elders, to start to build some foundations. And the thing he's going to say is, Hey man, you're going to be tempted to want to tell the people what they want to hear. Right. You're going to, you're going to want to um, have feel tension in having to have an opinion about everything, Mm. but your job is to preach the word. Now, when we say that, immediately, um, I can hear the listener think to themselves, oh, great, here's the, you just need to worry about pre- preaching the word and not worry about any of the other things around you argument, right? Um, as in, should we never address racial issues in the church? Should we never... To, should we not care at all about what's going on in Afghanistan? Right. Like there's the, there's that think well, about that. Or the story. idea that, or the idea that our failure to comment on them in real time 
means I don't care. Equals apathy. Correct. Correct. Um, and and I, I think about, for example, um, Thaddeus Williams has a fantastic book out called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. And one of the things that Thaddeus does in, in the, the chapters, at the end of each chapter, he kind of has a dialogue with himself about these arguments about what about isms. Mm. Well, so what you're saying is this, what you're saying is this. And it's like it, it, he does a really great job of like laying out what what essentially is cancel culture. Um, in in our world. And I think even when we say that, Hey, it's not the job of the preacher to have, have an opinion on foreign policy and to have to comment on every political, um, thing that is risen its ugly head in this moment. Um, people immediately hear, like you said, apathy. And that's not, that's not what we're saying. Matter of fact, we have, and you and I were talking about this all- offline, um, we have a section in our liturgy called the pastoral prayer. And during the pastoral prayer, we um, pray for things going on in our body, things going on in our community. We pray for our nonprofits. We pray for other churches. We pray for um, even in, in that issues that are going on. Right. Lord, please be with those on the Gulf Coast that are affected by Hurricane Ida, those on the East Coast affecting that. Lord, be with uh, Middle Tennessee and the Waverly area that that experienced massive flooding. You know, and we prayed and have prayed consistently since it happened for our brothers and sisters in the faith that are on the ground in Afghanistan, possibly giving their lives for Jesus. Right. It's not that we don't care. It's that. We take seriously the charge that Paul gave to Timothy and by extension to you and I and and any minister of the gospel, that it's not the church's job to have to have an opinion about everything. Yeah, we we live we live in an era where two things are going on is one, uh, everybody because of social media is expected to have a hot take on everything instantly. Uh, and, and so often those don't age well, right? We see, we mm-hmm. see, uh, uh, we see, uh, celebrities, ministers, uh, uh, talking heads, anybody with a platform, uh, make some sort of grand statement about something. And then, uh, uh, as things transpire and more facts come to the, to light, uh, they, they're, they're shown to be, uh, they're shown to be somewhat foolish because, uh, because they, they, they gave a hot take before they got all the information. Um, the second thing about our era is that we now know what's going on in every corner of the globe 24 seven. And, uh, uh, brothers and sisters, God did not wire us to carry that. God did right. not wire us to, to, to know what's going on everywhere around the globe at all times. Right. Um, and, and so, so it's just not something we need to, we always, we, we're not called to have to, to worry about every single thing that's happening all over the globe at all times because, um, God and his wisdom didn't, didn't wire us that way. But we live in a place by God's providence where we do know what's going on in every corner of the globe. Um, you said you have a pastoral prayer part during your liturgy. Um, we actually have a, 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 a prayer group that meets before the service every, every Sunday morning. Uh, and they do pray through, pray for things going on around the world. They pray for our leaders. They pray for, uh, other prayer needs that come to light. But in our service, when we gather for corporate worship in our regular service, we have a call to worship. 
from the scriptures. We sing a hymn. Um, then we have a corporate confession of sin where we corporately confess our sins generally as a church. Um, then we have a few moments of silent confession. We have uh, an assurance of our pardon, uh, hence the name for our podcast, an assurance of pardon or an, or words of absolution f- taken directly from the scripture. Right. Um, after that, we, we have another hymn. Uh, and then the word is preached. The, 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 the scriptures are opened and we preach through entire books of the Bible. After that, we sing a hymn. We, we, we have the Lord's Supper week after week. We sing the doxology and we have a benediction. And, and that's what we do. Um, and so you are not going to hear us, uh, at, at Hope Church, you're not going to hear us talking about, um, Supreme Court battles. You're not going to hear us talking about, um, about, um, Mask mandates. Um, we may, we may, you may see our elders and the decisions that we've made as a session as to how we're going to respond to this or that. But having a prolonged dialogue about those things, if if you get out of bed on Sunday morning and in your on your drive to church, you're saying to yourself, the reason I'm coming to church is because I want to hear Pastor Scott talk about how President Biden should have handled the drawdown from Afghanistan. If you're expecting your pastor to give his foreign policy advice, then you're coming to church for the wrong reason. So yes, we, we can and should and do pray for Christians around the world who are suffering persecution, but churches that engage in policy prescriptions, um, are, I contend, um, uh, not staying in their lane. What did Paul say to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, that's gonna, that is a message that's gonna age well. That is a message that, that is gonna be, uh, that we can preach in season and out of season. And it's the most important thing that, it's the most important thing that we need to hear when we gather on God's day in God's house as God's people is that we are reminded of our sin and we are reminded of Christ's provision for us. So I think, you know, when we get into this conversation, two, two things um, have to be considered. The first is um, what is the mission of the church? What's the purpose of the church? What are, what are we doing here? Why do we exist? And the church as a corporate gathering, as an institution exists to make disciples, right? And we do that through ordinary means of word, the scriptures, prayer, and the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's the way we make disciples. That's the way Jesus tells us to make disciples in the Great Commission. That's, um, that is the purpose of the church. And so if that's how we define what the purpose of the church is, and we did a whole series on this, right? dealing dealing with this then everything else isn't right so then we get to have the conversation so how should the christian the individual process and and interact with the world around them more specifically how should they love their neighbor amidst everything going on in the world around them. And now we get to have a conversation where just because it's not the mission of the church 
doesn't mean a Christian individually can't be involved in things, right? right. Christians can Christians can be uh, involved in all sorts of nonprofit social justice campaigns. Christians can be involved in politics. Christians can get, get involved in the medical field. Christians can go into education. They can do all of these things living in amidst this two kingdom tension of being a part of the kingdom of God, existing in the kingdom of, of man, living out in the world, representing Christ and the fact that you believe the gospel and the gospel shapes everything about your life now as a believer. But also you got to pay bills, you got to have a house, you're going to have a family, you're going to have opinions and, and things. And that that tension and division needs to be held together where two things can be true at the same time, right? Right, yeah. Um, um, when, when What we see in the early church, what we see in the book of Acts is we see people, rich and poor, young and old, mm-hmm. Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, men and women and children – coming together with one thing in common and that one thing in common is the lordship of lordship of Jesus Christ and we don't have any example in the scriptures of the church um waxing eloquently about uh the about what the what the laws in in, in the of the roman empire ought to be they come together they come together for the purpose of celebrating Christ and him crucified, of bringing the gospel to bear in the lives of individual people. So you're making a good distinction between the church corporate and what we do together when we gather on the Lord's day and then we scatter throughout the week into our individual vocations and we love our neighbor. The Bible does not – the Bible has uh, a number of things to say about about issues that are important. The Bible, the Bible uh, is very clear that murder is wrong. And, and Gage, you and I would say that's, that's why we are pro-life. Yes. Um, that the murder is wrong. Uh, the Bible is really clear about um, human slavery. Man stealing is, is wrong. And, and the church should speak up on things like that. Yeah. But the Bible doesn't really give us any foreign policy prescriptions. The Bible doesn't really give us any prescriptions about um, what the minimum wage should be or if there should be one. The Bible does not speak. The Bible does not speak about um, about um, how our, about healthcare. The right. Bible is, and to find those things in the pages of Scripture is to misread the Bible and to expect it, it to expect it to be a, a different kind of book than it actually is. Well, and, and I think it does a a common uh, hermeneutical mistake that we've we've talked about on this show a lot. Um, it takes a principle that the scripture talks about that may be true, and starts to use certain verses to then apply that principle void of the context of what's happening in in the verse. Give you an example: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Right. For I know the plans that I have have for you, plans to prosper uh, for a future and a hope, so on and so forth. Right. And we plaster that everywhere. Christian girlfriends send them to their Christian boyfriends. We put it on Instagram. We put it on coffee mugs. We put it on graduation gifts from high school and college, et cetera. And completely disregard that verse 10 is talking about Babylonian captivity. Verse 18 talks about pestilence and ruin for, for those, those that have chosen to believe the false prophets instead, instead of following 
Yahweh and his prophets, right? Um, but are there principles in that text that are true? Does God know the plans that he has for you? Yes, that's what, what it means to be omniscient and sovereign. Are they going to be prosperous? Yes, in the sense that it, he works all things together for your good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, i.e. Christians. Sometimes his working all things together for good involves your, your suffering. Right, right. Um, the, the, the other thing is, do you have a future and a hope? Yes, you do. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, you right. will one, one day be with him, right? Um, those principles are true. They're not true about, about that verse. Does God care about the poor? Yes. Does God care about the broken? Yes. Does he care about those that are struggling health-wise? Of course he does. In his first advent, one of the evidences of the coming of the kingdom was his power and ability to both heal and exercise demons. We know that. However, when you start to pull the parable of the Good Samaritan out as your policy for health care, now you're taking a principle and trying to use the text void of context to be able to make your point, right? And that's called eisegesis instead of exegesis, right? Exegesis looks at the text and pulls out of the text what the meaning is and then applies it in context to, to the storyline of the Bible and what's going on in the verse and properly interprets the verse. Eisegesis just takes a principle, lays it over, over top of the verse and makes the verse say whatever you want it to say, right? Right, um, right. So we, we are, are doing that in doing all the things you just shared. But then there's, there's the second, you know, so we talked about what the mission of the church is, right? But then there's a second aspect of this um, as we think about what should we have opinions, should we not have opinions, all those things. If it's the job of the church to make disciples, if the way that we make disciples are word, prayer, and sacrament, and if it's the job of the ministers of the gospel, the shepherds, those who are called to lead the church to preach the gospel in season and out of season that, that don't w waver off into myths, don't try to tell the people what they want to hear just to gain their approval, but, but stick to the gospel because the gospel is the thing that changes lives and changes eternities, then it's my job to then just do that. Every, every single week. And right. if that's my job to do that every single week, then I can't get sidetracked in looking at the newspaper and feeling the tension of having to have an answer for everything. It also means I'm not a CDC or medical advisor or medical expert, right? right. It's, not, it's not my job to get in the pulpit and try to give you my earnest plea to get the vaccine or not. Right. right. It, it's not my job to stand up there and criticize Biden or criticize Trump, depending on which side of the, the aisle politically you land on the decisions that they made, because because implicitly in, in all that kind of the underlining. The question then becomes, where does it stop? If it's not That's the pandemic, exactly right. if it's not if, if it's not Afghanistan, if it's not. Um, mask wearing or not mask wearing, vaccinating or not vaccinating, if it's not um, how you vote or how you don't vote, like if it's none of those things, it's going to be something else. That's so, where, so where does it end? 
That's exactly right. Is 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 uh, it, it could be a slippery slope. Hey, you talked about Afghanistan, but why didn't you talk about Syria? You talked about you talked about um, uh, this Supreme Court case, but why didn't you tell us what to think about this particular Supreme Court case? All of this uh, also needs to be pointed out that churches walk a very fine line as a five hundred one c three, and we're not we're 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 legally not supposed to endorse candidates, uh, and so. Uh, my my goal when I preach on Sunday morning is I want to preach in such a way that you can't tell what my political views are. I hope that the conservatives think I'm too liberal, and I hope the liberals think I'm too conservative. I hope that I hope that I'm challenging both the left and the right that if you are placing your hope for this world on the ballot box, if you're placing your hope for the world in Washington D.C. or your state capital or whatever, then you are you have a misplaced hope, because our hope is in the fact that the gospel is the thing that changes hearts and minds. The gospel is the thing that will change our world, not the not getting the right people elected on the left or the right. Um, the the hope is not regime change. I think about the disciples on the road to Emmaus when they were walking. We go to we go to the road to Emmaus quite a bit on this podcast. <laughs> because so pregnant with with riches, but the the disciples on the road to Emmaus were were just talking and they were distressed and they said, "Jesus, what are you talking about? You know about Jesus, about how he was mighty in word and deed, and mm-hmm. and but they." crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. And what they thought that meant was regime change. What they thought that meant was return Israel to good old-fashioned Israeli family values. Make Make, make Israel Israel great again. Make Israel great again is is what they thought that meant, is they were looking for regime change. Mm -hmm. And you know what? We're still guilty of that. We're still guilty of looking to politics to be our savior in some way. And in doing so, we're absolutely missing it because our hope is not in our hope is not in this uh, is not in uh, getting the right uh Victories at the ballot box. Our hope yep. is in uh, preaching the gospel. The gospel is the means by which God is going to change this world. Yes. So the million dollar question, Scott, does that mean you don't care about right, racism? Does, does that mean you that, that you don't think it's important to speak to the injustice against the immigrant? Does that mean that you don't think it's important to deal with um, the, the, you know, fill in the blank, whatever hot button issue it is. And, and yeah, Scott, you said, you keep saying you're pro-life, but you only mission abor- mentioned abortion. Do you not care about how the elderly are treated, um, and, and care about Medicare and, and making sure that they're taken care of? Or what about what happens to the baby when he's outside of the womb? Do you, do you not care about those things? I, I care, I care about all of those things, <clears throat> but that, that's not, that's not what my hat says. My hat says pastor of word and sacrament. And mm-hmm. so we talk about racism. We, you engage you and I had a conversation <clears throat> in our pre-show preparation yesterday about, uh, you know, when, when, when Paul is in Galatians, he says, I confronted Peter to his face because he stood accused. And what was Peter accused of doing? Peter was accused of separating himself from the Gentiles when the Jews were around. What was Peter yep. doing? He had been racist. Yeah, he had a segregated lunchroom. 
Yep. Right. And yep. and Paul addressed it. And so the Bible talks about racism a lot, and we talk about racism every time it comes up in the text yep. as we're as we're preaching through it. I also think uh, so. Yes, I, I'm I'm I want to see I want to see. Um, I want good government. I also think you should rotate your tires on a regular schedule to make sure <laughs> to make sure uh, that you uh, avoid uh, wear and tear on, in one particular way. I think you should get your oil right. changed regularly. I think you should eat healthy. I, I think you should exercise. I don't do it myself, but I think you should. Um, but I, I don't. I don't gather the people on the Lord's day for the purpose of giving that message. That's yes. not what we do. And I think it, as we, we close, that has to be a healthy, healthy fence that we build, right? Because right now we are facing the effects of what happens when the opposite takes place, right? This is where, if I'm honest, this is where I can side with the deconstructionist because the deconstructionist is looking at evangelicalism as a whole and going, man, this just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to have to try to push conservative family value agenda or whatever it is that you're pushing in the name of Jesus and beating people over the heads with it, right? Um, and, And not calling out your leadership when things are toxic and things are abusive and things are disqualifying. You know, all of those things that they're upset about. This is where I can say, Hey, I also agree with you that those things are bad. I'm just not willing to throw out everything to get there. You mentioned, you know, the the podcast, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Man, I'm a product of the Young Restless Reform Movement, right? I was I was in college when when Passion took off. I was in college with Mark Driscoll and Matt Chandler and those guys and and Paul Washer and YouTube started kind of blowing up and that became a thing. Um, I, I was a product of all, all of those things. And, and, and to be quite honest, Mars, Mars, Mars Hill's story is a train wreck wrapped inside of a dumpster fire. It, you know, but I felt the same tension there that I did when I read and started, started reading through Jesus and John Wayne. I'm a product of that culture too, growing up in the, in the nineties and early two thousands of evangelicalism, right? Like, um, all of those things are messy. All of those, those things are, are bad. And they're bad because you stop just resting in the mission of the church being to make disciples through word, prayer, and sacrament. And you start trying to feel like you have to platform and have an opinion of all sorts of other things that I don't think Jesus is calling to at all. Amen. We, we, uh, social media has, has broken our ability to have to have helpful discussions because uh, all helpful dialogue uh, has been uh, eliminated. And instead we argue with, with snarky memes. And so uh, uh, very important, uh, very important things get boiled down into a, a picture of Willy Wonka with a smart aleck phrase or a picture of Kermit the Frog drinking tea with a, with a phrase that boils everything down to, uh, some sort of false dichotomy. Either you right. agree with this or you're an idiot. Right. And, and so what, and, and then that also, that also comes down with, uh, the woke culture and the anti woke culture. Right. The woke culture says, if you're not addressing these things, 
If you're not addressing these things and saying these, uh, talking about these things the way we're talking about them, that means that you are a racist, sexist, homophobe, back, homophobe, backwards bigot. Right. And so we, you see, you see the woke culture kind of bullying people into talking about these things in a particular way to say the right things about these things. Uh, and, and to sing out of that particular hymn book. And then the backlash is such, if you did mention, hey, I, I think we should talk about racism, you have the anti-woke culture going, yep. uh-oh, sounds like you're getting woke. And, and it's, it's just a really, really tough time. And how mm-hmm. do we, how do we navigate that? Well, we navigate that by preaching Christ and Him crucified yep. week after week, by showing people, by arraigning people into God's courtroom, giving them law so that they see their deadness and their inability and their guilt, and then giving the gospel that they may be encouraged by what Christ has done, and in response to that, go and love their neighbor in their individual vocations and avoiding talking about um, every single issue under the sun. Uh, let's, when, if, when we exhaust all the glories of the gospel, then we can move on to other things. Amen. I think that's a good place to stop, brother. Um, if you have questions, thoughts, comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can always hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can email us at contact of, uh, at assuranceofpardon.com. Be sure to look for the giveaway this week um, as we think about worship being one of those things that um, Zeb talked about where we could even lose focus in. Um, so check out Worship Vitals and look for that, that giveaway as well. Um, and until next time, this is Assurance of Pardon. God bless. God bless.